0: The QuoCast, a status quo fan podcast. My guest on this edition of The QuoCast needs absolutely no introduction whatsoever. Uh, welcome to the podcast, John Coughlin. Um, How are you doing?
1: Oh, great. Hello. It's uh, nice to be here. And uh, yeah, I'm fine. Thank you. It's uh, so nice we're doing something like this. And as you mentioned, Lockdown, because, you know, we've all been wondering what we can do. And uh, it's so nice to be able to speak to you and uh, talk about the, the band that I used to play with.
0: Yeah, as well as uh, what you're currently doing. But before we get to all of that, um, connected actually to the band you're currently doing, obviously Lockdown, you had that single, uh, which I'm sure we shall get to. But what if you, what is um, your personal experience been of Lockdown?
1: When it all came to light... Uh, in March, I believe it was. And, um, you know, suddenly we got emails saying, oh, the gig at Science House has been, been uh, not cancelled, been postponed, can we move it to next year? And this was happening a lot. And we thought, we're not playing and we're not earning anything. And the fact is, it was such, it was like a slap in the face. And it was right, okay, you can't do that anymore. You're going to have to wait till it's sorted. And it was just it's as if the music business and theatres and the arts had been sort of slapped in the face, and sorry, you know, there's nothing we can do. And it, it it was instead of saying uh, we we could try and fix something, we could get around this somehow. Maybe we could do uh, some gigs with you know less people. Maybe it was just slap in the face, as I, as I just said, and it was all sorry, tough, you know. And, that, and it was like oh god. And I I actually felt quite unwell in a way of suddenly what I loved doing had been taken away. You know, it was just just
0: awful. Yeah, I'm sure that many performers out there um, are in exactly the same um, position and can relate to that. But you haven't sort of just sat on your laurels, have you? You've been quite busy during lockdown, especially with the single that you released called Lockdown. How did that come about?
1: Well, do you know, that's interesting. Someone asked me that the other day, actually, in the pub I was in, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know, because it was actually, it was Rick Chase and Pete Mason, Mick Hughes doing the guitar work, and they sort of somehow just decided to call it lockdown. I don't, I'm not sure if it was in, inter- I must ask, actually. It was just a good song, and um, lockdown seems to be the appropriate thing, so I I, I just presume that it was about the uh, problem, you know, because, we done a video as well There's a video, and it's quite funny because uh, we all did it individually at our homes, and um, it's basically being played on the on the single under. And uh, Mick Hughes, a guitarist, lives in uh, in uh, Whitchurch on Thames, which is near Reading. And his garden, he was doing this uh, mock up of playing a guitar, which is an old broom, I think. And he just just going to lockdown and sending you crazy. And there's some cows in the field behind. Behind him because he hadn't seen it because he's facing the camera, and uh, the cows just appeared out of nowhere. And one cow was doing what cows normally do, but we don't like to mention it on radio. So, and someone else, Mick, they said, Oh, Mick, I've seen the video. How did you get the cows to do that? It was quite hilarious because they did what they did, you know. And um, then there was uh, me and my truck, there was someone else. Uh, I, there was Rick Chase trying to get a plane to take off but it was good fun you know we did it all ourselves, and um, like the recording we did that and we did a, a video thing ourselves as well and it just turned out all done by the band I mean if, if we got a, a, a recording company to film the um, us doing um cover of the uh, song miming it in a way it would have cost quite a bit of money but Doing that, but we did it ourselves on our own back, and it was no chance at all for it.
0: I think it perked up a lot of fans, and a lot of people said that it had that very seventies Quo sound. Was that intentional? I,
1: th- I think it was, but possibly because the uh, we've um, obviously play all the Quo songs when we're out and about and um doing gigs, and because uh, of my past and all the stuff, I you know the band will uh, only play on stage songs that I I recorded with the band you know, what they wouldn't do in the army now or Margarita time so because I didn't play on that and not too keen on those songs but in the army now I like but the other one was not, wasn't too keen as a lot of Quo fans weren't and, but anyway that's that's another story but um, yeah yeah uh, and all the, the uh, two new songs we've got with well, three actually—we recorded, but uh, they are very much like Quo in the seventies. And, Of course, the fans love that because it's taken them back how things used to be.
0: Yeah, I, I think so. But now, uh, after all of the lockdown that everybody has experienced, and things are starting to ease again, you've got a gig coming up. Um, how excited were you by that?
1: Well, it was—it was, um, it was the, the first one is in uh, is. Uh, basically over in Old Cannings near devices, and it was Rock for Cancer or something and it, it you know, it was um, at Andy Scott's place whose guitars were sweet. We played there before and it's outside, you know, it's outside, is um, the pub outside and it's, uh, it's really, really a good little gig and um, they've sold everything by, a table of six people, and that's how they've managed to separate it, as than people being all bunched up together. So, it's really been doing well. And that's that's next Sunday. Then the following week, I believe there's a North Court in Abingdon, which is not far from where we live in in Oxfordshire. And so that's that's done the same thing, but that's indoors, but you know less people than it would have been for, but that's sold out. And it was such a buzz, honestly, to to be able to say, yes, we're going back to play as an audience. It'd be, be a wonderful feeling and um, you know I, I just can't wait.
0: Well, I'm sure there'll be many fans uh, chomping at the bit to go and, and see that, especially after all of this time. Now, for those who might not have... Um, might not have seen you before uh, what can they expect a, l- a lot of 70s quo the band that you played in
1: yeah there'll be uh there's things you know like caroline down down paper plane um there's quite a there's well there's a lot of songs really there's um, a lot of it from songs that we played on the reunion tour and uh, you know it's just really good stuff and there's uh, all april spring summer and wednesdays and stuff like that, and a track called A Year, which, which which I think when I was with Quo, I don't think we ever played that live. It was a great song, but I don't think we ever did it live. And uh, I don't think we ever did um, April Spring in the early days. Maybe we did, but uh, I know we did April Spring on the reunion tour, which is a great song. And it was good because I got the band to play that because a lot of the status quo stuff, as you know, is a shuffle and it's all about. A lot of people say it's the same as as the other song, so lots of shuffles. Yes, yeah, okay. So and April Spring was a different groove, and um, and lots of fans love that, and the band love it because it's, it's totally different from what it what Quo is really. But uh, and a year a year has turned out really well, and just uh, lots of lots of stuff like that. And also, I think uh, they'll be happy with it because it's. Uh, It's stuff that you will remember. And because as you know, I think we made 14 albums or something and there's loads of stuff out there that uh, it's possibly possible to, to record and play on stage, not record, sorry, play on stage but we do the ones where all the people know them, you know, like Paper Plane, and uh, we have done whatever you want. We've done uh, mystery song, but we moved on for doing all those, just moving on. What we like to do every now and again is move on, move up the list a bit, do something different from from last time.
0: Uh, hopefully, you'll have more gigs coming up soon after the uh, after the ones that you've currently got booked but you meant you mentioned the um the reunion tour now i i went in 2013 couldn't make it the following year how much of a buzz was that tour for you it was
1: quite incredible because it was totally different and the fact that uh, you know france has had a few rules and we all sort of went oh yeah okay but uh, we you know we didn't have a drink before we played because we're much older and i suppose he thought it might slow us down but we we stuck by the rules and it was just fantastic, the way the whole thing's presented with John, Jackie Linton announcing the band and, and then the, the, the curtains just falling down and seeing the band standing behind it. And uh, then also travelling on the reunion tour was so different from the early days because we had these tour buses, which were excellent. And uh, there were four buses and four Arctic trucks. We had a big transportation. So there was only Lancaster, Bob Young, me, uh, Jillie, my wife, and Dal Alan's wife on on our bus, and the other bus was Francis and Rick and uh, uh, their PA and some other people, and the other two buses were the road crew, and uh and also the catering people. So the whole thing was was totally different from you know what it was in the old days of travelling in a van or, or just travelling in a normal car. But it was good. We loved it, and the audience were great, and. Um, of course, the different thing for me and Alan, of course, was that if he was at the gig, you would have noticed there was no stage monitors. It was all in ears, you know, the thing you put in your ears. And, that you know, that was great because for me and Alan, we never used those in, in those days when we were in the band. But I found they were really good. You can get a fantastic separation of the bass guitar, lead guitar, rhythm guitar, bass drums and all that. You get all that. Plus, uh, and when you take the things out, when you finish, you know, there's no ear, your ears don't ring. There's nothing there. It's just superb, man. It's just really good fun. And uh, having said that, I in my band, we just used stage monitors because it's uh, that's what we're usually using. But uh, it was good. And um, in days off, we uh, had hotels as well. If you we want to stay in a hotel, just not stay on the bus. But the good thing about the buses were, catering would put stuff on food on the bus and drink on the bus uh, so when we just walked off stage and got on, onto our tour buses the bus just drove off onto the night into the next concert which was the next day we just travel overnight and really um there would be food in, in the fridge for us to put in the microwave there would be uh, wine and beer in the fridge and so it was great. Rick Parvey, when the bus would stop overnight, say, to get some diesel to stop to fill the tanks up somewhere, he used to get off his bus, come, come on our bus and say, "Old oh, Francis being miserable, Francis gone to bed. I'll come to see you guys. And we, he'd play, bring a good acoustic guitar. And we'd, we'd, we'd be singing songs all night. It was really good fun. Then Rick would get back on his bus to, to crash out, you know. So it, it was really different from the old days. So we loved it, you know. I'm sure he loved it as well. So... And Alan and Dow, it was really good.
0: From what I see in, um, in interviews and things, Rick really enjoyed that tour. And he was really on his game as well.
1: Yeah, because actually Francis um, said near the end of the tour, he said, you know, I'm not too sure I want to do any anymore. Rick Parfit and Lancaster and me would you love to have carried on doing what we did. So what happened was uh, Francis said to Rick, why don't you do status quo BLC?" what do you mean he said perfect Lancaster and so that was going to happen I think it would have done just get another guitarist in obviously to fill Francis's place but it was quite a strange thing for him thing for him to say so uh, I think it would have happened but of course then Rick died you know and it couldn't happen but it was such a shame because it was Christmas Eve we got the news that he was in hospital and uh, got the news <coughs> the next day he died and it was awful and it was a I was in tears, and uh, it was such a loss of a great friend.
0: It's still felt by fans to this day. There is rumour that there are PLC tracks out there that have already sort of half been done. Is there any truth to that?
1: Well, I'm thinking about that. I don't know because I haven't heard anything, and also we ha- we we didn't actually go into a studio to record those songs, you know. So, and maybe someone recorded. Um, well, even if we recorded the concerts, you know. The, the reunion tour that that wouldn't have been plc anyway so i really don't know i'd like to to hear if it's there because i could tell if it's it's right or wrong but uh, i haven't heard anything about it
0: no well hopefully i'm sure fans will keep their fingers crossed that there is something there but um yeah you on that reunion tour did did you find it quite difficult was it kind of a different pace to normal when you were drumming
1: i think it was um well, Francis said, you know, Alan kept dropping his plectrum occasionally. And um, so he said, could you keep the pace up? Which I did and just put it together a bit and just push it push it slightly faster. So it was okay. You know, it was all right. And um, it was, uh, well, I suppose it was like the old days in a way. But of course, we were much older. Maybe things were slightly different. But Francis praised me at the end of the said It was great, John. Great, Spud. It was excellent. Loved it. Then he does another, another interview. Uh, somewhere else on radio or whatever it was on newspapers, you know slagging him one off saying, uh, "Oh, it was, the whole thing was rubbish." I, you know, it was a mess. It was all this, and but then you know he says one thing it's really good. Then the next thing is, is it's totally different, you know. So, but it, it, at the end of the day, it was the fans who loved it. You know, the fans thought it was great. And if there was a mistake, it's rock and roll. There are mistakes in rock and roll. There's mistakes in studios. And state, you know, things that happen on stage, and just one of those things. And I think I don't particularly, Ireland, like I wanted it too smooth. You know what I mean by that is over rehearsed. You know, if it's over rehearsed, it's not rock and roll, is it? You know, and I just think. You know, as long as the fans enjoyed it, that's all I reckon. I reckon they they loved it, and I think that's what counts.
0: There was something really raw about it, and I've heard accounts that there were people crying, and I can believe it. Um, I was up in the stands, so I didn't see anything, but uh, down in the standing area, it was quite, I, I think there were people just jumping up and down. I've never heard a crowd like it. And I know that there was a newspaper that said that um, you guys at that reunion tour had a crowd that a football club would be proud of, which was absolutely immense. Now, um, as part of this podcast, what I normally like to do is put out a question to the listeners to kind of ask um, something specific about about quo in general and i thought i'd ask about your their favorite performance of yours and there's a lot of votes for the quo album from 1974 um and somebody in particular charlie asked whether your um you you might be able to tell me you might not but the solo that you do on slow train was it at all inspired by the drummer buddy rich
1: oh uh I don't know how that matches Buddy Rich really, but uh, I I think it possibly I think the band told me what they wanted me to play. Could you play this? Could you play that, whatever it was called? And um, you know, and I and I said yeah, sure. But um, having said that, I was. Asked by Eddie Haynes from Premier Drums when I was on uh, in the early years, well, I say early, I mean in, in the 70s. He said, You like Buddy Rich, don't you, John? And I said, Yeah, I love him. I'd, I'd love to go, you know, say hello. And he said, I can fix it. Would you like to meet him? I couldn't believe it. Anyway, it, he I think he was playing in Preston Guild Hall. And Quo was playing in Manchester somewhere, so I, my roadie took me and went to meet him. And he was the most loveliest guy I've ever met, because I've heard stories where he uh, can be quite bitchy towards people and uh, doesn't like rock drummers and uh, or you know because he's totally different body he plays. But he asked me, he actually asked me, he says, "God, honest true." He asked me, well, "Could I, would I play his drums?" I couldn't believe it, man. Do you know when that saying, "I want the earth, the earth to open up and swallow me and to go into a pit," because. It was, you know, it was me to play his drums and I and I did and it was quite amazing. And there was a journalist there, a girl and a photographer, and uh, they took pictures of me on the drums. She asked, well, Mr. Wretch, you're the, the best drummer in the world. What do you think of this guy with a long hair playing in a rock band? What do you think about him? And I remember him standing there next to the drums and he said, there's no reason for that, man. He's doing his job. I'm doing mine. And that was great you know because he he was looking after me really in a way you know it was smashing and just a great experience really
0: yeah what a, a moment and certainly as you say inspired by him not not necessarily on that recording that they mentioned but uh your your solos like where do they come from
1: it's um just out of the blue, because I think really I I love jazz. In the early days, when I, my mum and dad used to be great dancers, they used to take me along to the CPH, which is the Crystal Palace Hotel, where I used to live near there. And I just watched the drummers. And I just my dad had a lot of jazz records and uh you know, Joe Loss and all that, those big bands and all that. And I learnt all that stuff. Well, I say learnt it. I didn't. I can't read music, and uh, I don't do lots of paradiddles and all that stuff that there's a lot of these drummers do and i think it was just just the way things were and i just love jazz and um, don't really want to want to really copy anybody but it's just the fact that's what came out of the um the moment you know the groove as you call it so yeah that was that was um, the way it was really
0: there's always something um as well as that jazz influence there's always something very military about your drumming
1: oh yes I suppose there is yes that's because uh, I have always been interested in the military and uh, I was I I was in the air because that's a school and went to some RAF stations from summer camp and all that Tangmere and Cologne and uh what? there's a B-52 coming over again can you hear it <laughs> so oh, oh man oh. It's, oh, yeah it's so noisy they do. We live near Bryce Norton and they go over Bryce Norton first, then they go into um, into uh, Fairford. That's where they're based at the moment because there's a NATO exercise, I believe. That sounds awesome. Sounds like a record, doesn't it? It's so <laughs> noisy and wonderful. Can you, could you, did you actually hear it?
0: I could, yeah. I could hear that. Oh, wow.
1: I should have picked this little thing up and took it outside and showed you the aeroplane.
0: Yeah, because you're in Oxfordshire, right?
1: Yeah, that's right. We're right uh, near Burford, between Burford and RAF Bryce Norton. So in Bryce Norton, they've got all the big aircraft like um, C-17, A400M, Hercules and Voyager. So it's it's really transporting air-to-air refueling aircraft, really. So that's what it is. And the, the Americans come over quite a lot and they base themselves in raf fairford which is not far away from here so you know they and they take off in the morning i believe and go to europe somewhere do the exercise and come back in the evening
0: yeah so you see a lot of plane action
1: yeah we do and it's it's great because i love aeroplanes as you probably guess and uh uh, because i was in the agriculture school and uh, did a bit of flying in chipmunks and various aircraft in those days and i've been up locally and uh with the lads up the road, but um, you know, it was good fun, and I just think you are. If I hadn't joined the air goddess of school, I wouldn't have met Francis and and Anna Lancaster because they they just they came in, they heard music in the in the squadron, it was a three little three piece band, and also if. I hadn't done that and because they said when well, I joined their band and I, I said, What's your name? It was Francis Ross in Atlanta, Lancaster. They put a little band together and I joined them. And then later on in life, we, we became the Spectres. And then it, hey, I joined their band 62, then 65. We had a gig in Butlin's Mindhead. Uh we were there for six weeks and it was great, you know, young lads away from home, you know, away from their parents playing the rock and roll ball. And that was awesome. We Mick, then we met Rick Parfitt in 1965, which is the 65 was the song we were battling. But yeah, and we met Rick and Rick joined the band, and Russia's history.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's that's well documented, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well documented. What do you think of the early recordings, sort of the 60s stuff?
1: There is one. That I heard on Radio Oxford uh, because we, I did an interview for Radio Oxford and about lockdown and they, it was pre-recorded and I was quite surprised and when it, when they played it back today uh, there was a Spectre's track. Uh, now you wouldn't think this was re- you know, ever happened, but it was a, a track called "I Who Have Nothing." It was a Shirley Bassey song, but. We, we did it in a rock and roll style and it was quite great. And I thought, you know, I'd love to hear that again. And also, I wouldn't mind putting it in a set, you know, to do that version because it was so rock rock and roll-y. But um, unlo- very unlike Shirley bass's of course, you know, and, uh, it was quite amazing. And so I, I hope she heard it, but... Uh, be great.
0: Yeah. Well, I shan't take up too much more of your time, but uh, what what is like the one track that you enjoy playing with with uh with JCQ?
1: Well, it's got to be uh, in a year, a track called a year. April spring summer and Wednesdays and Caroline down down I suppose paper plane and uh stuff like that. So it's always nice to play those old songs because they they just live forever, you know, and basically when you you hear a quote song played at a gig or, you know, in a on a radio or something, the people that are near it, you see them always dancing about, leaping around and dancing to the song because they know them so well. You know, those songs are, are a lifetime influence of everybody. And I just think once you've heard a quote song, he sticks with you forever. You know, I just think that, that's where it is.
0: Yeah. I, I think you're right. I mean, I can say that as a fan, I'm I'm biased of course, but I'm sure even, even those that say they don't like it, I think they, they do really. Can you settle a, an age old argument for me, which is Caroline, who sets the tempo?
1: That was, um, Rick Parfitt, I think did that. I think it was Rick, then Francis, then, then the drums come in and uh, with me and Alan. So yeah, it was great. It was a great song. And that was uh, always one that went down extremely well at gigs. And, um, in the Quo days and JCQ days also. and uh, It's one, when we start to play, everyone cheers and falls in love with it, you know, it's just one of those great songs.
0: Yeah, I had a strange moment the other day where um, I was walking past some building works and they had Caroline on the radio and I, I can't help but hum along to it as I'm walking <laughs> past this radio and this builder turned around and started laughing at me and you think, well, it's just <laughs> catchy. You can't help it. Um, yeah. It's just a great record and your playing um was was exceptional um i I mean your your um the live album from 76 77 what are your thoughts on that because i know that francis often says that it it wasn't great in terms of playing but we know how um how picky he can be about his performance what what did you think of your performance when you listen back
1: yeah, i tell you what it is. It, it's, it's quite strange because I remember in the day when I knew we were actually going to record it, I, I, you know, we were live on stage in front of an audience and I was always a bit nervous because I thought, oh God, we've got the audience to, to satisfy. We've got, we got to play well because we, we actually are recording it and um, then you play another gig and you're not recording it and it, it, it would all be quite different because you haven't got to worry so much and I was always a bit scared of, making a bit of a fluff, you know, fluffing the song, oh, I should have should stopped there, all gone, in you know, whatever. But I thought it was all right, you know, I I don't really play much quite stuff at home and, uh, <sighs> the reason being, I suppose, because I play it all the time with the band. So, you know, start started saying, I remember Charlie Watts saying that in an few years ago, so I said, I never really played a lot of Rolling Stones at home, so he says, Shirley does, his wife does, but he don't and I just think that's the way it is because you've, um, you've been playing that on stage you know and also as you know sometimes the arrangement is slightly different if it's live on some some bands i mean, especially the rolling stones it's not always exactly like the the, um the record if you know what i mean so i like we like i like to keep mine the same as it was because that's how i remember it and that's how it's recorded so and uh it's all about the groove as far as i'm concerned and some of the grooves are great and uh you know down to the lads who. wrote the songs, and uh, and Bob Young also was in, a great influence in writing as well, as Alan Francis and Rick were, you know. So there were some songs that I co-wrote as well. They were like B-sides. So I think we all put our 10 thing, and it all worked very well. And I think we've got to really thank all the audiences that bought the records and, and um, came to the gigs and supported us. You know, it's down to them, really.
0: And they're still doing that even now um, this, this album that you've, that, uh, that you might be working on with JCQ. When, when are you expecting it?
1: Right. What's happened is we've, we think we've done about three at the moment now, because uh, all over at uh, Pete Macy's place, then I should put the drums on and um, do that in the studio. But uh, uh, I just think that will probably come out after Christmas. Cause I remember saying to the band, uh, I think, it would be probably foolish to bring it out Christmas time because I think normally there's so much released at Christmas time you know through shops selling stuff and there's, there's other records coming out there's X, Y and Z there's so much stuff is coming up because it's Christmas and I just feel that um, we need to wait till Christmas is over and uh, release it then or the springtime. I think Rick mentioned springtime, so I mean even then you know but uh, and we've got a great B-side. The B-side, obviously, obviously, lockdown is awesome as well. It's another great song. So, you know, that'll be released in, in, in time after, in the new year.
0: Well, uh, I'm sure many fans will be looking forward to that. John, thank you so much for being on the podcast today.
1: It's a pleasure, mate. Thank you for inviting me. i will do it any time, mate.
0: Thank you for listening to this edition of the QuoCast. And thanks once again to John for joining me. The new single from John Coghlan's Quo, Lockdown, is available on Spotify, iTunes, and all good digital music services. And if you'd like to find out more about John Coghlan's Quo and information on future gigs, you can go to facebook.com forward slash John official. As for this podcast, if you've listened to the podcast and you'd like to be a guest, then please do let me know. You can email QuoCast at outlook.com. That's QuoCast at You can tweet at Cast Quo on Twitter, or you can go to the Facebook page, which is just simply The QuoCast. From me, Jamie Dyer, bye-bye for now. <music>